Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope and we just sit back and have a conversation on how you can live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Jasmine Abby Bell. She is not only doing the do as uh, MTE, that's the district learning coach position that you have, mm -hmm. uh, but she's also a coach and consultant because, you know, we talk about getting your coin on this podcast. And I wanted to have her on because not only is she from the state, and I don't know why, but most of the people on my podcast are not from Mississippi. So I wanted to have her on and talk about her experiences and how she got to got to become a consultant, the work that she's doing, and take a a, 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 a deeper dive in her work uh, so that for those of you who are trying to get on this path, you're starting, but you're not finding the traction that you can get, pick up some gems to take your business to the next level. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Jasmine? Good afternoon, evening, whatever time it is, wherever you're listening. I am Jasmine Abby Bell. Um, as Dr. Will said, I currently serve as a regional digital learning coordinator for the Mississippi Department of Education in partnership with Ole Miss, Hottie Toddy, all my real fans out there. Um, and I also um, have my own consulting agency. It's called the JAB Consulting Agency, where we focus on working with all instructional coaches, teachers of secondary ELA, because that's where I started, and anyone who is working with those teachers and working with coaches. I got started um, when I was still in the classroom. I had a leader who believed in me, believed in my potential um, after doing trainings for my peers on ELA and attending workshops and bringing back all the information that I had, uh, um, principal was doing some consulting work and gave me the recommendation. I was like, I think you'll be great for it. Um, they, this company needs this or this school needs that person. And so I did it, was kind of nervous because as a teacher, you often feel like your calling is to your students and to the classroom. But what I've come to learn on my journey and working with other schools and districts is that um, there's a lot of information out there and sometimes we don't always get that information, you know, education and being in that classroom is like working in a silo and schools, you know, some schools don't have the funding to bring people in or some schools and districts want to train their own and their own way. So there are a lot of gaps that happen. And so I realized like, oh, I really enjoy this. I want to share my knowledge because I kind of remember what it was like when I first joined teaching. I did alternate routes. So when I got into the classroom, I was like, this is not what they said those three months ago. <laughs> like, that three-month <laughs> training was not enough. Um, and then when I switched from teaching history to teaching ELA, I was like, okay, wait, what do I do? Like, these kids can't read. What am I supposed to do? And I, there were coaches and people in my building that could help me, but they didn't have that ELA background. Like, they knew math or they knew science. So I was still searching for that. So 
when I went to those other schools consulting, I realized like this is the feeling that I had and I don't want teachers to feel like this. I want them to be empowered so that when they show up, they can put all their energy onto teaching those students and not, you know, juggle it. Am I doing this right? What happens if this, I need help? Who can help me? You know, all those questions that they would have in their mind. And so started doing that. And of course, just working with different districts and different companies, um, just training on ELA and coaching. For, and sometimes I do some stuff on professional development since I've done that for quite a while as well. It was like a wake up call um, because people can see things in you before you see it. And sometimes it takes a little longer and you're a person of faith like I am. You know, the Lord is telling you all of these things, but you just don't believe it. You're like, who am I? And, and so it's definitely a wake up call when people are presenting on things that you know about and that you can explain really well and you've probably even done something similar for your own school or school district or somewhere local and it's like that boost of confidence that that is needed at that time to start trying for those things that you necessarily wouldn't aim and try for because you didn't have that confidence well i think deconstructing is a term that we use that came with like the common core and of and all of that, because it used to be unpacking standards. So whether you, your your language is unpacking standards or deconstructing the standards, the concepts are the same. Um, because standards are written with a year-end expectation, we wouldn't just give those to our students in August and say, this is what you're going to do and expect them to do it at the end of the day or at the end of August. So you have to break it down into small chunks so that you can gradually scaffold or build upon your instruction. And so when I'm working with ELA teachers, we treat it just like it's, you know, grammar. When you're diagramming sentences, for those who remember that, <laughs> or you're identifying subjects, verbs, and nouns. And so when I'm working with teachers, that's what we do. We identify the concepts, the skills, and the condition. And I tell them, what are your nouns? Circle all the nouns that are in the standard. And so I tell, I tell them that that's the concept is usually those content specific terms. So like for math, it would be ratio. It would be um, formula. It would be scale. It would be uh, for ELA. It would be um, evidence or textual evidence for science, you know, science terms. We talk about place tectonics. So those are like the concepts. And then every standard has a skill. That's the verb. What is it asking the students to do? So then we identify all of those verbs, analyze, cite, multiply, round. Um, and then we just talk about like in what condition. So how do they want them to analyze this text? Or how do they want them to round these numbers? Is it to the nearest tenth? Is it to the nearest hundred? So looking at that, and that helps teachers to see all the things that they have to teach them as well as like the content specific things that they may have to learn, especially for those who are new. So like you just, you know, you just got out of college or you're going from third grade to sixth grade. And so you're learning as well. And I think that when we take that time to do that, or even if we have somebody do it for us, that they, you know, explain that process and show us how they found it, it helps us to better understand what we're teaching so that when we can when we present it to students and they ask us these random off the wall questions, but they're really good questions that we'll have their knowledge to answer. Well, I think we first have to like address what happened in the pandemic. We 
we were all forced to do something different and adults are just like children we they don't want we don't want to be told what to do don't tell me what to do i would decide if i want to do this but we were all forced to go home it's, everything everything was forced to shut down we were forced to use technology and for those who were already doing some of those things in their classrooms they did a little better than those who were just new or those veteran teachers and they just had to do this like adult learning theory says like adults want choice they want to see the value in what they're doing and um we were trying to survive and so when we got back and we slowly transitioned whether it was hybrid or we went back because the world went back and we knew okay that means test scores are coming back that means school is the way it is is coming back we easily reverted back into how we had always been doing things because of those same things that kept us up at night before the pandemic came back when the pandemic was here we were just focusing on surviving we make how do we make sure the kids who don't normally eat how are they eating at home how are we staying healthy how are we not getting sick how are we still trying to teach the babies how to read how we're still trying to make sure they're doing their homework when their other siblings are on the computer and mom and daddy are at home like everybody is at home and so with that we saw a lot of device and tools and even the tool companies like you get this free you get this free everybody was passing out something free and then when we got back into school the, the, the free was gone <laughs> the help was gone and you think about in teacher's defense, like that support that I had is was no longer here. I still have this stress of hustle and grind and raise these scores. And I don't want to deal with technology. It might be too much. And I think the pandemic made us realize that sometimes we're asking for a lot. Um, like, yeah, we need to know if our students are reading. We want them to be able to read. We want them to be able to do some of the math. We want them to be able to have that experience because we want them to compete in the community. We want them to be the next big Oprah. The, we want them to be the next everybody, right? But if you like look at the history of education, there's a lot of pressure on teachers <laughs> to do in, in schools to do a lot of things that we don't necessarily ask other industries to do. And um, the people putting this pressure on us are not always educators. So they don't always understand what it's like. And so I just start from that place. And I start with what can teachers do? Like when working with teachers and adults you have to start with like what are you doing well like what's your skill set like a strengths-based perspective because that's how you win teachers over so it's like okay well i could do a google slide i could do that well we can make some things rock and roll and google slides if that's your one tool that you can use like we can do that and um just building teachers confidence and giving them what they were missing what, that we didn't have when the pandemic they didn't have access to support and training and if they did get it whether it was through another educator in new york or somebody from the company and now that they're not doing that anymore it's like now being the support for them <laughs> what teachers hear when they hear technology now after covid because I, I feel like we could say that the pandemic brought us a, a little ptsd for some of us that you know our situations may have been traumatic because everybody did may not have had 
the place where they wanted to be all the time. Like, you know, there are a lot of children who come to school to escape there, a lot of adults as well. Um, and so when you say technology, it takes them back to that. And when you were just trying to survive and you felt like it was just a lot, you, you don't want to go there. And um, what I tell teachers is, I'm not asking you to throw away the paper and pencil out. I'm not asking you to just solely use it um, because we don't want that to be an ex a $2,000 notebook. Like they just copy notes on the computer, right? Um, and I think it has its place. So you have to think about like, what's that best combination in math to use paper and pencil to bring out that, bring out that graphing paper, those rulers, right? What does this look like? In science, how do we, in ELA, even though it's very text rich, how do we still take some breaks from reading the text or doing things on the computer and having that balance? So um, I think that's the piece that we're missing is that that messaging is like, what is the balance for my subject, my grade, for my students? And when we start talking and having those conversations with teachers, I think that they will start to get on the same page with administrators and everyone else who's talking about, I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to see technology. Because while we are saying the same words, and we do this a lot in education, we say the same terms, but we are not speaking the same language. <laughs> the, the teachers are tired of PD. I just, <laughs> they're tired of PD. Um, I think they're tired of like traditional sit and get PD. They think it could have been a staff meeting. They think it could have been an email. And when they see something that's not that, they're like, oh, this is like the best PD I've had. And I think that we do a disservice when we just talk to, to teachers, when we just talk to adults and read, you know, things to them. It's the same way that we would, if we were in the classroom, right? We would not want teachers just talking to the kids for 45 minutes or an hour. And so... It wasn't until I left the classroom and started to become an instructional coach in my building where it was like, we're going to do PD, but I want to do something else. I, um, my former leader, um, Felton Moss, he was like, "This I want to do this activity too, and I want to do this. And so I'm like, okay, we're doing these activities. And then when I transitioned from the district to um, MDE, that's what I did was professional development. And we looked at, okay, how do you engage your audience what does adult learning theory say about adults and how they like to learn and so when i'm designing pd i'm ensuring that there's time for the participants to interact with myself to interact with the content and to interact with each other um just like our students want to talk the teachers want to talk too because all day they're talking to children <laughs> they want to talk to adults they want to talk to their peers they want to talk about what's going on in their classrooms and they want to know that what you're presenting them is something that is tangible, is something that they can take back in their classrooms and use with success and that it will work. Because, um, you know, if, if I'm just coming up there and talking about this is what coaching should be or this is what you should do for struggling readers, but I don't have any data or research to support that, I don't have any strategies and I don't have any experience then I'm doing a disservice to those teachers that I'm presenting to. So they want to know that. Mm -hmm. And um, they also want to be treated like adults, <laughs> right? Like they want some choice in what they're going to learn about. So you're listening in your school, it's not starting yet, or you've already started doing PD and planning. 
throw some choice in there for your teachers. They will appreciate it. Throw some engagement activities in there. And um, in the virtual session, in the virtual setting, rather, it is the same thing. It's like, how do you engage? Because mm-hmm. like they tired of PD, they tired of Zoom. They tired of Zoom. <laughs> like everybody is using Zoom. You know, you were Zooming for church. You were Zooming for work. You were Zooming for outside meetings but what makes this zoom difference right and being on zoom takes a lot of mental space and sometimes we don't have the mental capacity after we've just done a full day of teaching or we've done a full day of meetings and so the same thing is like how do i engage with my participants online so breakout rooms having them to think and answer in the chat box or just doing brain breaks, like silly activities, like never have I ever, just something silly like that to get them engaged and get them excited. And then remember um, that what works in that setting and like how long you do the presentation, you can't necessarily do that in Zoom. I could probably spend three hours with you and it'd be very engaging and you not realize that we were here for three hours. I can't do that on Zoom and nor do I want to, (laughs) right? So thinking about like, how can I cut this down to 90 minutes or less? How can I make the most use of those teachers' times? And that is what helps when, when I'm doing any PD, whether it's in person or virtual. Yeah, I do networking, social media, Twitter is really big, education, the companies are on there. Mostly every company is represented on social media in some form. Um, Conferences, I'm really big on that. I like to go to conferences, whether they're local, in the state or out of state, and hearing what companies have to say, hearing what other people have to say, and then things that I'm most passionate about, I'm going to read, whether it's an article or a book or blog post, I'm going to read about it. And um, I'm just like a student of it. So passionate about PD. So I'm reading things about PD, passionate about coaching. I want to hear what all the coaching experts have to say about coaching. My favorite tools. If Canva comes out with an update, I want to see what your update is. Canva, because I really like you. I want to see what you have to offer, Padlet. Um, So subscribing to those newsletters. And sometimes you can be overwhelmed and you can get a lot of things coming at you fast so i just do things that i'm most passionate about and if Mm -hmm. those passions change if i'm no longer interested in this tool then i will not stay as up to date in the know every minute on the minute and divert my attention somewhere else it starts with relationships like day one when you get in there and not only like you getting in there starting their relationship but also your administrator how they see the coach mm-hmm. and the relationship that they're going to have with teachers also matters. I worked where um, I did evaluations and coached teachers because the principal assigned me to them. And I didn't get a lot of um, receptance. It was a struggle. And looking back, it was because in their mind, they saw me as someone working with administrator and with a coach is like, you're not that at all. We think about coaches like Phil Jackson, right? Coaches who are really great. Steve Kerr, they're not on there playing. They're not playing, but the coach, the players know that they have this experience. They're not reporting back to the owners and saying, well, you know, he's not showing up to practice and he's not doing this and he's not doing it. Like they're not doing that. The owners trust those coaches to 
coach those players to win championships. So we have to have that same mentality in education. The principal has to trust that coach to work with that teacher so that they can win those championships, those small wins, whether it's their students becoming proficient in advance, whether it's all your students reading grade level, whether it's Johnny didn't get in any trouble this week and Johnny has not gotten sent home and that's unlike him, like those small wins. And so the teachers have to see that you are on their side. The moment that they suspect that you are not, that you're playing for the enemy, it is over with. Um, there's a quote that people always say, you know, trust is so easy to break and hard to build. Like that is true. Like your teachers want to know that if I tell you that my kids don't use computers because of screen time, I need to trust that you're not going to go back and tell the principal that and I'm not going to get an email and say you have to use computers in your classroom, right? If I tell you that I really don't know how to use this new curriculum that they say we, we got to use and I'm asking you to show me, I have to trust that you're going to show me, but you're not going to go tell oh, well, she know how to do this. And that's why the school is like this. Like they have to trust you and then not only trust you, but like when you say I'm here to support you, I'm not here to judge, I'm not evaluating, I'm in here with you. Like you also have to back that up. You can't just talk the talk and not walk it. Like you have to back that up. So if you're saying like, oh yeah, I remember I taught fifth grade and I know what it's like and it's frustrating. So I'll come in and help you with this group of students that you're struggling with. We can tag team. So when you say you're going to tag team on Monday, they're looking for you on Monday to come and tag team, right? So you have to keep those commitments and continue to ask about who they are outside of work. We're we not just teachers. <laughs> like, right, I don't go home and teach. Like, at 3.30, whenever that last bus leaves, like, I have a life outside of this. So, asking, how was your day? How was your weekend? If you know their children's names or their spouse's names, inquire about those things. If you see them crying and they stressed out, buy them a Coke because they love Coke or go buy them some chips, their favorite, you know, they like Doritos or they like hot chips. Take them some hot chips. Like, hey, I'm thinking of you. I saw you didn't eat lunch today. So just hope this feels better. And, um, you know, even if they need to go to the restroom, they had a restroom break. Now don't make that a habit. Don't make a habit to go and make copies for them. But little things like that, that don't cost you money. It may cost you some time and an investment. Mm -hmm those things will help teachers see that you truly are a coach so that when you start to have those hard conversations and saying that okay now this wonders curriculum we have this and like your usage is low or your students are not doing this like we got to talk about it or the last benchmark we didn't have any growth like we have to talk about this like we have to talk about like there's no differentiation that's why there's no growth but you can't have those conversations until they have the, their relationship has been established and, and built and solidified. You know what? You've been in there and it's like, they're talking about data and using this new system, but only the tested area teachers need to know this information, but you everybody has to go through this. So you sitting there like, y'all are wasting my time. And what I love about coaches, while in the moment, it can be a little frustrating, it can be a little off-putting. They always ask like, how is this going to be something I can use? You know, secondary, like those high school teachers that teach foreign language or the band teachers, they want to know how was this relevant, which is not a bad question because mm -hmm. they're just saying it out loud. 
everybody else is also questioning how is this PD relevant to what I'm doing? How is this different from the one we just had an hour ago? Like, why should I listen to you? That they just have the guts to ask us. Sometimes it's not always in the best way, <laughs> but they need to know that. And so, like, if anybody's doing some professional development, small group, big group, no matter what they teach, like you always want to think about how can I make this relevant? Like if I'm working at, with um, elementary teachers, I need some elementary examples of what this looks like in elementary setting. And like I'm an ELA person, so I can spit off some ELA, but I got to know math. I got to know science. I got to know what this looks like in PE. I got to know what this looks like when you're doing your small group rotations. Same thing with high school. What could this look like in those elective contexts so that like you said, the coach is like, oh, I'd have been sending inspirational messages, which he never thought that he could do that. And while he may not be using it to the extent that the other teachers are, he is using that. And I think that's something that we have to start having those conversations with admin when we're first, you know, talking and doing the consultation or doing the debrief. Like, what is the expectation of this session? Like, what do you want teachers to do? all teachers so is it a different expectation for this group this group and this group and then like how do you want me to communicate that if you want me to communicate that and if you need ideas on how to communicate that with your staff I can do that for you I just need to know well um my first piece of advice is more like a question like are you like are you sure you are you passionate about it um because a lot of times we can do things because we see someone else doing it and thinking that it's glamorous. And if you're not passionate about talking to the teachers and going to different places and you're just being, you know, here today and somewhere else tomorrow, then that might not be for you. And if that's not, that is okay. Everybody is not meant to be a consultant. We still need educators in the classroom. We still need them in schools and districts there is a place for you, but you have to be passionate about it because it's not easy. It's, I mean, nothing in life is, but it is not easy. And just like you're learning and always staying abreast of things as a teacher, you have to do the same thing with, with a um, consulting agency. Like, cause that's a different part of the business because you're going from being employee ye and just responsible for those students and you're wanting to do your own you're now employer you're now supervisor you're making all of those decisions so you have to first ask yourself like is this what I want to do because that passion and that desire and that purpose is going to keep you going when the contracts aren't coming in when the money isn't there when you can't walk off your job and say I'm sick of this <laughs> you know what like this Rochelle uh everybody hates Chris my man got two jobs you can't do that <laughs> you can't do that uh if the contracts ain't coming in but you have to keep learning and something that I'm doing is investing in myself um a brilliant black woman Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas um we call her Dr. EJC for short she has now built her business helping educational consultants get off the ground and do it successfully um she is a phenomenal teacher teacher at heart she's been a teacher she's been a principal she's done it all so she knows everything that you're going through so I would definitely check her out like you have to keep learning from those in the business and one thing I love about her she don't gatekeep okay listen she don't gatekeep she's gonna tell you the highs and the lows and because consultancy um you think about it 
when people hear that word, they get like, Ooh, it's just like that. He shall not be named <laughs> for my Harry Potter fans. <laughs> That's how consultancy is. When people hear that, you say that, like you say, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. It's like, you can't say that. It's taboo. A lot of districts um don't have the best experiences with that. So it's really hard. So what I love about her is that she's helping you through that process to get your business up and to put yourself out there. And she's going to help you with the business side, but you got to know your content, right? So like if you're saying, I got good feedback and results when I'm doing PD and working with teachers, like you keep that, you keep strengthening that so you can continue to do that well. But if you're not strong in your content, like you still got to do some homework, you still have to do some investigation because a lot of the schools that are purchasing consultants and asking for trainings they are like i need this my staff needs this like this is like their last opportunity almost that's how hungry they are for it so when you're going into those schools you want to make sure that you earn that you're earning that pay that when you leave those teachers will be better off because you have been there um it is it's like that serious <laughs> somebody might be like it's not that serious yes it is it is that serious because uh, as Dr. EJT says, like spending money is an act of trust. So if somebody is spending money to book you, that means they trust what you're doing and what you're providing. So you want to continue to show that you're trustworthy that when I say I had the top ELA scores, I had the most growth in our school district went from the bottom 10 of ELA scores to the top 10 most improved. Like when I say that, I got to have some action behind it. So when I'm working with ELA teachers, like I'm teaching them the strategies and we're breaking that down so that they too can have that success. Because, I mean, like you got to put your money where your mouth is. People, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and share with your network. And though I'm on all major podcast flat platforms, I am trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So I need you to not only share, but I need you to listen to it because they do check that time. Give me some reviews and some stars because I'm trying to be found. And your boy try and get Oprah on the show because I want to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guests, Jasmine, Abby Bell for coming on and dropping so many gems and for you for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace. <laughs>